Welcome to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Listen to in-depth discussions about different legal fields and hear insights and lessons learned from practitioners across our enterprise. Chapter 6, The Role of the Middle Manager. Professional Development Officer here at Region Legal Service Office Mid-Atlantic, and I'm here talking with Captain Kogler, the CEO again. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the role of the middle manager. And first, uh, Captain Kogler, I want to talk a little bit about your experiences and the roles um, or the jobs that you've had as a middle manager. Can you just talk a little bit about um, what you've seen? Sure. I, I guess I'd start by saying that term middle manager means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And when I hear that term, I just I think of uh, essentially being one step up from being an action officer. That they're they're basically action officers in our organization, and they could be civilian, enlisted uh, officers, and then a step up above that is probably what most people think of when they think of middle management. And the reality is too, you're never only one thing. I mean, for some purposes, you may find yourself to be the the senior leader because you're a subject matter expert on that particular topic and you're running with something. Uh, and, and certainly even when you're a senior leader, everybody's got a boss and uh, sometimes because of maybe, you know, uh, the need to keep things close hold, uh, there are commanding officers that find themselves suddenly, they're, they're the action officer of the day and they're going to ghost write a particular email and, uh, you know, they're it. Uh, so, you know, you, you never really become solely one thing or, or another, but uh, when I think of middle management, I think of times like when I was the uh, the branch head at uh, Code 13 and the, the personnel uh, law uh, branch there. Uh, I was managing a number of uh, action officers that were working on personnel law packages, and uh, when I was at NJS uh, for a while there, I was uh, uh, the military justice uh, department head and uh, the, also the academic director eventually. And, and I think that was sort of a, in the middle, you know, management role that you, you can find yourself in middle management lots of times, even as like a SJA for a small office, I think you're essentially a, a middle manager. Or if you're the senior legal advisor on a high visibility investigation, for instance, you may get a team of legal staff that you find yourself essentially acting as, as, a, as a middle manager for that time. So for me, this uh, subject is is really interesting because you think as a lieutenant, um, middle management doesn't come right away. And you think of maybe an 04 as a middle manager. Um, however, in my experience, I can recall being uh, about two years into the service and coming back from deployment and being asked uh, due to the realignment to be the re, um, the Rolso Southeast Legal Assistance Director. The other directors were 04 and above. And uh, at the time, Rural Southeast had 13 detachments or branch offices and uh, big responsibility in, in the first tour. So although we have the first tour judge advocate program now, um, some folks find themselves as junior lieutenants in these um, leadership or middle management uh, roles without really having a lot of training. Um, another experience, I was uh, at Code 20 and became a branch head. The need developed to separate sexual assault reporting, training, um, an instruction chop, and that way we could split duties. And all of a sudden, you find yourself again uh, in a in this sort of middle management role, trying to manage um, expectations and uh, personnel and all of the product that comes out of that department. And then, because my career has been fairly short, um, I I served as an assistant department head at DSO North, 
same thing, trying to assist uh, the senior defense counsel in all of the, the admin responsibilities and you find yourself in that role. Um, and even here, uh, as a PDO, while I don't necessarily have a department, um, you know, this command uh, treats the PDO as a department head and I have all the function um, of a department head. So uh, my first middle management training, of course, was the um, ILC, the uh, Intermediate Leadership course, uh, but I've, I've obviously had some roles before then, before receiving the training. So this topic is uh, something I think is really important um, and uh, really wanted to, to find out from you what your opinion is, uh, sir, on why we're talking about this today. I mean, why do you think it's so important to talk about middle management? Well, to just add to a point you, you, you made, essentially, is that whether you're enlisted uh, or a civilian or an officer in the legal community, you can very quickly find yourself uh, to be a middle manager, and, and you may or may not have had any training uh, on it. So it's really important for the you know, listeners out there, uh, whatever level you're at, you know, especially if you're a first tour judge advocate, for example, you need to start thinking about you know, what, what are the management practices that I like and I dislike that I'm seeing in middle managers, and uh, start making a plan for training. Uh, work with your, your uh, uh, assigned PDO uh, to try to uh, uh, you know, get some training, because before you know it, uh, you may very well be a, a middle manager and, uh, you know, that's the, the reality of it. Uh, there are some positions that, you know, before you're an XO or CO, you're, you're, you're definitely going to get some uh, management training. Um, for those listeners out there, uh, I'll just throw in uh, uh, a quick tip that one of the best trainings I, I've received in the Navy is actually the uh, Navy Senior Leader Seminar that was, that's put on by the postgraduate school out in Monterey. Uh, that, that's some exceptional training, uh, but not everyone gets it. Uh, so I encourage everybody to sort of manage your own uh, training career. Uh, it's mainly aimed at the 0506 uh, GS15 uh, you know level, uh, but there are always outliers, and, and the people that uh, you know uh, that ask for it sometimes get it. So you know if you if you don't ask, you're definitely not going to get it. Uh, if you do ask, you might. So uh, keep an eye out for for, the, for that course. It's a it's really a good one. So some other things that I'd like to talk about um, today are actually describing uh, the role of the middle manager, and then also. Um, the different uh, types of leadership or servant leadership is a term that we hear. So if you could talk a little bit about that. And then also the difference between um, a middle manager and a senior leader. And what do you see the differences being? Okay, so that's a lot. Let, let me uh, uh, unpack uh, some of that uh, if I can. So I'll just say since I came in the Navy, there's been a lot of different terminology thrown around uh, when it comes to leadership. And the main point that I would make here is that the terminology doesn't really matter. Uh, it's the underlying concepts that, that matter. Uh, when I first came in, it was all about total quality leadership and total quality management. And we had some very specific training to go to. And we, we learned certain terms. But some of these terms, quite frankly, in a very similar way to, I don't know, the way the legal community sometimes uses Latin to... Uh, uh, I don't know, keep it a little more exclusive and uh, give it a little mystique. Uh, there, there are certain terms that, that you learn if you go to, say, you know, a business school and uh, get your, your MBA. Uh, but but I, I would just like to demystify this for everybody. The terms really don't matter that much. They're describing incredibly simple concepts. And uh, again, well, 
you know, you may be hearing about Lean Six Sigma today and, and the different belts involved. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that in a few years there'll be another program with new terminology uh, that'll be the latest thing of the day. Uh, more and more you're hearing right now about focusing on high velocity learning. Uh, I think that is an incredibly good thing to do, but I promise you the terms will change in a few years. Uh, but it they really don't matter. Uh, you know, the idea of just-in-time training uh, or, or getting people the, the training and resources that need, they need just before uh, they put those uh, skills to use, that is not a new concept. Uh, when, when you said the term servant leadership, for example, uh, I, when I first came in, that was a popular uh, term uh, over 20 years ago. It, it seemed to uh, sort of fade away for a while, and now it seems to be coming back strong and, and uh, being a popular uh, uh, term again. Uh, but it describes a very, very simple approach to leadership. Can you explain um, what that is, what servant leadership is, or what it means to you? Well, the best description that I, I've you know, been given uh, is, is sort of an image of an upside-down upside pyramid. Uh, usually you think of the triad as sort of being at the top of the pyramid. Uh, well, in this image of flipping the pyramid you know, upside down, it's very meant to s send a message to say, hey, leadership should be all about putting you know, others first, uh, making sure that, that the people who work for you really have the training and the resources that they need to succeed. And so that image of a servant leader is very much... Uh, if you're a, a senior leader, for instance, you're putting the middle managers and the action officers uh, ahead uh, of yourself and, and you're making sure that they're getting everything that they need to succeed because, you know, especially if you're an action officer, those are the ones who are really on the front lines uh, getting business done. And uh, if they don't have the training and resources they need uh, to succeed, uh, well, that's probably indicative that you haven't got a servant leader in charge. Uh, so, uh, anyways, that, that image of an upside-down pyramid has really stuck with me uh, and has lasted for a long time. And, and that's what I think of when I, when I hear the term uh, servant leader. And how about the role of the middle manager? What do you see as that person's role? Well, to, to really make it at its most basic form, my, my interpretation would be that the, the primary mission of a middle manager should be w one of three things, either there to improve quality they're to improve quantity, or they're, they're going to try to improve both at the same time. Uh, I think there are times when really you should only be focused on one. You might arrive in an organization and, you know, because mistakes are being made, uh, really you shouldn't worry about the throughput. Uh, you should be concentrating on the quality. Uh, there are going to be other times, though, when you, you really can, uh, you know, concentrate on, on, uh, on both uh, and then try to improve both the quality and the quantity or, or what's called the throughput. Uh, in order to accomplish that mission, uh, in my mind, the middle, middle manager has three uh, tasks. The first task of a middle manager is to understand the people in his or her organization, especially in terms of their strengths and weaknesses. And uh, to do that properly, and I hate to say it, but that, that's often a misstep. People just start trying to lead without understanding their people. Uh, but, but to do it properly, you really have to get multiple means of uh, understanding the people within your organization. So you're talking to them individually, but you're also talking to them in small groups, and you're also going outside the organization. Uh, you're, you're finding out, you know, from others, potentially maybe clients uh, for the organization, you know, what they know about your people. And, 
And quite frankly, one of the most underutilized ones is reach out to prior members that used to belong to the organization. They're often in a position that uh, they can be very forthright and, and tell you what's really going on uh, in your organization in terms of you know, the strengths and weaknesses of your personnel. Uh, the second task of a middle manager is really to understand the processes that go on within his or her organization. Uh, and when I say that, I mean you should be able, if you're a middle manager, to flowchart all of the processes in your organization. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're producing a product or you're providing a service. You should be able to flowchart the entire pro process and, and identify all of the inputs, all of the steps during the process, including where are the decision made uh, decision points uh, being made in the process, and then all the various outputs that come out of your organization. Uh, and, and that's an incredibly important uh, step to do as a middle manager. Uh, and then finally, the third task is just to identify where this, the mistakes being made and where are the bottlenecks in, in, in the various processes that go on at that organization. And then you, you concentrate on trying to improve them. If, if, if you're able to identify where the mistakes are taking place, then you're, you're, you're going to improve quality. And uh, you know, if you're able to identify where are the bottlenecks uh, in, in those processes and try to work them out and make them go faster and smoother, that's going to improve the, the quantity or the throughput. And, and it, it really is that simple. Uh, well, there are a lot of books out there uh, on management that make it sound a lot more uh, confusing and technical, and technical than that. Uh, in my mind, that, that's, that's basically uh, what the middle manager does. Now, sir, are there any trends that you think it's important for middle managers in the JAG Corps to know about? Uh, well, the one, one I'd bring up is uh, telecommuting. I think it's underutilized in the, the JAG community in general. Uh, until you've seen it uh, you know, succeed, it's hard to be a, a big advocate for it, I think. It's natural to sort of be distrustful. Uh, but when I was at Code 13 in the personnel law uh, branch, uh, I became an incredible believer. I mean, I saw action officers... Uh, go home and, and, and telecommute on a particular day. Uh, we had a very aggressive telecommuting uh, program. And on those days that, that folks telecommuted, there's no doubt in my mind, they produced more product than on the days when they didn't. And so I became a, a big fan of uh, telecommuting. And, and I, I think you know, the JAG community as a, as a whole uh, could be doing more telecommuting than, than it currently does. And it's certainly something I'm trying to uh, uh, encourage uh, at, at Realso Midland. And then finally, sir, can you speak about the difference between uh, being a middle manager and then a senior leader, such as maybe an XO or a division director or even a CEO? Well, I, I think one of the things you probably heard on the recent, uh, uh, you know, training you had as a as a, as an O four uh, was you know this expression, uh, "What got you here won't get you there." And I think it's a very true expression. I mean, books have been written on the topic, uh, and, you know, it's true. I mean, what, what is considered an effective, attentive, and engaged leader, uh, if you're at the middle manager level, uh, can very well be perceived as micromanagement and just demoralizing leadership if it's employed by, by senior leaders. So, uh, you know, I... I I think senior leaders in general, you know, you have to accept that you can't manage everything, that you have to trust uh, the middle managers uh, to lead and to do their jobs. And, uh, you know, that, that's an important, uh, important distinction. And so that generated um, one last thought. Uh, I know I said we were, we were almost done. Um, this, 
thought of uh, feedback. So how does a middle manager know that they're doing a good job? How are we doing in the JAG worth giving feedback in general? Well, I think DOD-wide, uh, you know, we, we could improve when it comes to good, honest uh, feedback. Uh, people should, you know, get it when it's close in time to, uh, you know, when something was observed where there's a, uh, uh, you know, a, a deficiency of some kind, an area for improvement. Uh, you know, they shouldn't be hearing about it for the first time at, say, a, uh, you know, a fitness report, you know, debrief, uh, or even at midterm counseling. Uh, ideally, they've heard about it, you know, right after it happened, and uh, it was honest, and it was constructive, and then it, it, it becomes just a matter of reminding folks uh, at midterm counseling and at a fitness, you know, debrief about an area that, you know, you know a person could, uh, could use improvement on. But, you know, if we're to have trust as senior leaders, we've got to demonstrate trust, and, and one of the ways you demonstrate trust is, is quite frankly, giving that honest, constructive criti cri criticism back and, uh, you know, being open to it in return. Uh, the first time a senior leader gets uh, some constructive criticism, they have to be very, very careful how they respond because uh, everybody's watching. And you can very easily just shut down constructive criticism coming up the chain uh, just with a, you know, a look, uh, uh, an expression on your face. Uh, and, and so if you're, you know, if you're really going to be uh, someone who values constructive criticism and wants to improve yourself as a senior leader, uh, you have to be open to that constructive criticism and uh, you know appreciative uh, when it when it, it comes up. Uh, on that same you know standpoint, though, you've got to provide that honest uh, constructive criticism you know down the chain as well. Um, some of the best constructive criticism I, I've ever gotten, I, I've you know I'll, I'll just confess I, I've walked out of meetings uh, thinking I did very well, and uh, you know some of my uh, leaders and mentors in the past have basically explained to me afterwards, well. That was a good example of what not to do. Uh, it, it's very easy, I think, as uh, lawyers that we sometimes accidentally, uh, maybe because of our personalities or our, our passion, uh, we can sometimes forget that, hey, we're not the commander, uh, that we're the legal advisor. And, uh, you know, the commander is really the person that makes uh, decisions, and you need to get your uh, commander's intent uh, before you start telling the organization and advising exactly what, you know, should be happening. Uh, yeah, again, I, I've, I've had that, that constructive criticism in the past, and I really appreciate it because uh, it's made me a, a better legal advisor, you know, over the years. Well, Captain Kogler, I want to thank you again for taking the time to talk with me, and I look forward to recording the next one. Thank you, Denise. You have been listening to JAG Talk, a podcast series featuring Navy JAG community experts. Visit jag.navy.mil for additional chapters of this podcast series. Thank you for tuning in.